Hi guys, it's Laura. For this episode, we do uh, talk about Sherman Alexi and his record of sexual assault. So we're going to put a trigger warning on that. And then when we talk about the book, there is just a brief mission of child abuse. So please take care of yourselves and we hope you enjoy. The push was a strong one and it sent Despero flying down the stairs into the dungeon. As he tumbled whisker over tail through the darkness, there were only two words in his mind. One was perfidy, and the other word that he clung to was pee. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. It's a butterfly. Welcome to Beercast, uh, our new podcast, our new podcast endeavor. Yeah, that where we discuss. No, just kidding. All right, listen. Li- uh, welcome to Reading Rainbow. <laughs> Laura, what are we? What We're do we both do? so tired today. The podcast where we discuss books that we read in high school and middle school, or maybe we didn't, and then we talk about why we had to, or maybe why we didn't have. To. <laughs> Maybe why we shouldn't have had. Well, maybe why other kids shouldn't have had to. We're we're you know podcast for the people. Yes, for you, just for you. And it is y'all. The listeners probably didn't know this, but we do have quote unquote seasons for our podcast, and this is the last (sighs) episode of the season. This is the season (gasps) finale. Oh my gosh! Can you believe that we've actually done a season of a podcast together? I thought I had commitment issues, but. My therapist would be proud. Turns out you were wrong. <laughs> Turns out I can stick to a monthly commitment, for the most part, uh, pretty pretty gosh darn good. I didn't really know how long we would do this, but we did this last January for the first time, and that was pre-pandemic. I just want to remind you that we got two episodes in before the pandemic started. Let's just waste more of your time and take a trip down memory lane before we really get into the meat of it. But, yeah, this is actually a real clip <laughs> um, episode. I think... I remember our first episode when we recorded. It was in the Keiko studio, R.I.P. in peace, even though it still exists. I'll just never go there again. And yeah. you brought pizza, and we were eating, and you brought bell peppers oh, and yeah. mushrooms. And we were just, it was, like, real magical. Man. I didn't buy that pizza, so I don't know why I had it. I can't remember. Yeah, no, you got it from work know. or something like that. Or maybe I got it. Someone brought the pizza, but neither work. of us bought it. Yeah. Uh, and I remember, well, I don't know if we had like done a few more episodes in person and then you don't think it would have separated. Stopped. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. I'm like wondering, like, did we had to figure it out really quickly for the pandemic, how to record? I mean, okay. You know, sustainable. what a shoulda coulda, but I really feel like, sure. I, but I do see what you're saying. Cause like had, what a shoulda coulda had the pandemic not happened. Obviously we probably would have traveled more. And, like, just yeah. been busier. And therefore, mm-hmm. maybe we would have been like, hey, this isn't something I can commit to. <laughs> but luckily, all plans were canceled in March yeah. forever. And, uh... That's true. And, you know, knock, knock, who is it? It's Reading Rainbow trying to let me in. Let me in! 
and your brains. Yeah. Glad we traced our origin story and, you know, did, it's like a really long-running series. I always have those obligatory episodes, you know, the Thanksgiving, the Christmas one, but then the one where they mm-hmm. go back in time is like, what if we never met? Or what if we didn't know each other? Oh my God, yes. And that's basically I what we did. Those. Pretty much. So you're welcome for that little treat, listeners. <laughs> you listeners. That's what you get for <laughs> our season finale. That's a little treat. Listeners can have a little TV trope as a treat. <laughs> but... Okay, so before we start with this episode, we do want to acknowledge something about our last episode where we discussed the absolutely true Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexi. So prior to recording and editing the podcast, we did not know that Sherman Alexi has a record of sexual assault. And so we were told this by one of our friends who listens to the podcast that this was the case. So we definitely acknowledge that we messed up and we should have researched Sherman Alexi before starting this podcast and should research all of our authors and at least mention that and give trigger warnings for those kinds of things. Yeah, so we we really thought long and hard about how to move forward with this. We were thinking, oh, do we take mm-hmm. the entire episode down? Do we re-record it? Do we add... Do we add stuff? Yeah, do we it? add stuff to the end of what we've already recorded? Um, and we came to the decision that we would release the episode um, but on our Twitter and also, I think it's reflected in our episode notes... Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, what we had learned and at the time that we were, we had no knowledge of this entirely of our own fault. But mm-hmm. we thought it was important because as humans, um, we're going to make mistakes and we don't, you know, want to erase that. And we want to also acknowledge that what we did was wrong. You know, like we, mm-hmm. we didn't put as much time and effort into the podcast site as we should have. And it also felt weird to go through an entire episode and, like, not mention that had we known about it. So, Mm -hmm. if you saw on our Twitter, we posted an entire thread. We listed a lot of resources um, regarding Sherman Alexie's record. We actually linked another podcast where two Native American hosts talk about what that was like to find Mm -hmm. out a Native American literary figure abuses their power in that way. So we mm-hmm. encourage you all, if, you're, if you still feel comfortable listening to that, um, to also click on the resources that we also provided. But I think that was a huge learning experience for us, right, Laura? Yeah, for sure. And like, we're definitely going to approach our future episodes and our future seasons a lot differently um, and make sure we know about those things beforehand. Um, so if that episode, the one that we made, if that is something that you choose not to or don't want to or don't support we definitely understand and we accept that and we want you to take care of yourself so don't listen to it if you yeah if that's not your should and i also want to say because another thing that we were kind of grappling with is the idea of cancel culture so you find out you know that a Mm -hmm. figure who a content creator of any sort has misbehaved in the past i say Mm -hmm. misbehaved because that can be expressed in so many different ways maybe it's like a sexual assault charge maybe it's a bigoted comment uh, mm-hmm. in whatever way and then you think about how do you move forward with this content that they put out in the world and that's just been on my mind lately just because it, mm-hmm. uh, I think especially around Christmas time people play, play Christmas music and I personally although I do love to sing I don't like Christmas music because I find it very boring but mm-hmm. before I was like oh okay so the only two albums that I'm listening to this Christmas is Sia's Christmas album which I don't remember what it's called um, and then this really old one by Hilary Duff because she is my childhood star. Um, but mm-hmm. then a couple of months ago, Sia was in a 
was put on blast. I don't know how to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, because she recently produced, directed, written uh, a short film where the main character is a girl with autism. And then a Twitter follower responded and said, Sia, why aren't you casting someone who has autism? Or why are you working with people who have autism, who know that experience? Um, and the main character that she ended up casting was Maddie What's-Her-Face from Dancing from Dancing with the Dance Moms, Moms. Dance Moms. Um, <laughs> and who's in, like, all of her projects. But basically, this all comes down to, like, so then, oh, am I allowed to listen to, like, Sia's Christmas music? Or, you know, there's been tons of other people in the past in very prominent figures who have been canceled or whatever, and then you think about their content and what you're supposed to do. And I think the conclusion that I've come to for myself is I am going to allow myself to um, consume the content they, that they create, mm-hmm. but it is also up to me to say, I'm consuming this content, I'm acknowledging that the creator at this time uh, was doing, that this was occurring, or that this creator mm-hmm. had like these beliefs or was acting this certain way and being mindful about that while I listen to their music or watch their TV shows or whatever, or read mm-hmm. their books. So I think that was a huge part of my decision-making when it came to this Sherman Alexi situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would agree with a lot of that. I think that thinking in terms of cancel culture, because go back to our like our comments, we did have good things to say about this book. Mm-hmm. We thought talked a lot of, of, about poverty, had really nuanced ideas of parents with like alcoholism mm-hmm. as like, someone who lived on a Native American reservation but had to navigate a predominantly white school. So, um, yeah, I, it is my belief that people's art exists outside of just themselves and that you can consume it without... And like, and knowing that you don't support the artist, um, and personally, I just think that is still okay. Mm-hmm. And you can like seek ways to you know do it without supporting them. Like with music, you can listen to covers of songs. And I mean, in terms of books, it's a little trickier because you can't get a cover of a book, but you can only like, get used ones. Anyway, um, well, and I think like I agree. Like, and it was the same thing with J.K. Rowling. You can't mm-hmm. uh, you can't deny that the books that Alexi wrote and Rowling wrote like didn't affect an Mm -hmm. entire community and had a huge impact that did result in positive things as well as Mm -hmm. negative but then like the question is do you still teach this book in schools then i like to me i'm thinking yeah you do and then you also acknowledge like this is the past Mm -hmm. that this author carried and it doesn't excuse it yeah it's not making an excuse like oh but they did write this book so it's all okay and you're like no 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 no. you're just saying Mm -hmm. well it also just not to get too deep here, but it shows how complex human beings are and that we're capable of right. doing some great stuff and then some not great stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, but, like, so back to this idea of, like, oh, with buying books from problematic authors. Mm-hmm. So, there's, for example, Stephanie Meyer just released Midnight Sun. Oh, yeah, Another Twilight book. And so a lot of people promote, said that if you buy this book, you are supporting her, but you can also support the Native American tribes that she kind of exploited because she included their stories in their book and didn't really compensate them. So when you buy the book, you can also donate to their tribes. Or if you get a pirate to copy the book, you should still donate to those tribes. So there's, there's ways around <laughs> you're it. Like, you or still... listen, if you're just a normie who gets a pirated, you, st- yeah. <laughs> you take that money that you, you would have st- used to buy it and you donate it. Exactly. That's what people say. Like, Or just that kind of thought process. Like, So listen, there are ways around it. Like, You can still, if you are that motivated, you can still do good while buy- so, like buying or finding a book. Procuring a copy of a book by authors like this. So, speaking of learning from our mistakes and doing a little more research into who we actually read, who would have thunk, 
Um, the book that we are reading, what is it, and who is it by, Laura? What is it? It's The Tale of Despero. Who's it by? It's by Kate DiCamillo. Wonderful. And I didn't wow. know, but according to my research, <laughs> um, I oh learned that Kate DiCamillo also wrote Because of Win Dixie, which I really just <gasps> didn't know, but also I have never read, but I did watch a movie, so it totally counts. I never did. I saw the trailer. I thought that was, like, so cool, but then we never went to go see it. Uh, yeah, I also don't really remember the movie very well. I remember it had Emma Watson. I do remember this one scene where there's, like, a bunch of sentient fruit that turns into a chef man. But I'm like, nowhere Whoa. in there does that happen in this book, so I don't know what okay. was going on. The, I think when... the movie just must have taken a lot of liberties. Yeah, okay. So I, upon finishing this book... I was like, this doesn't make sense, because I thought the movie was like seemed way more exciting. So I looked at the trailer, and there's stuff like, there's sword fighting, Despero does like acrobatics, he flies, and like there's a fire-breathing dragon and stuff, so like, none of that happened to this book. And it was like, oh, Despero is like so brave. In this book, I'm like, no, at no point do I, that's not his defining character trait. Anyway, I read, well, actually, I don't think I read it. I think we did the read aloud, like, in class. Which was the best time! Oh my god, I loved Read Aloud time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Uh, during oh. my read, read Aloud, we read uh, Hatchet and The Trumpet of the Swan. I, we did this, because of a Dixie, I mean. Um, we did Holes, and then we did the other one that's not Holes. I think it's about owls. Oh, who? The one that's not Holes? <laughs> you know, are they written did, by the same who? person? Yeah, they are. Let me uh, let me double check. That. Okay, both of them again. <laughs> those are all books that I've seen the movies, but haven't read the book. So I was just like, "Holes, yeah, with Shia LaBeouf," wow. and you're like, "And the one that's not Holes." I'm like, "The one that doesn't have." Wait, Shia Holes LaBeouf? is a series. Know. Well, I didn't know that. And Hoot has Logan Lerman in it. Ooh, who used to be real the real hot commodity when I was a wait child. is Hoot and not written by the same author as Holes? I don't think it I is. This, I don't. I did the. <laughs> At least by the oh my God. by the cover, I would not guess that they were. It's been fifteen years, and I thought that these were the same author. <laughs> who did, who else wrote? Oh my God, hang on. Who did I think also wrote? Wow, no season finale. Stop, you get wait. a you get a life crisis. <laughs> we're, stop the podcast. We have to find this out. Oh, it was flush. Oh, is that the... Okay, because I was like, the person who wrote Holes did not write Flush. I can tell you that. But Flush, oh is that God. the one with the... Where, like, the title's, like, all lime green, and then there's a hook and, like, a fish going down a toilet or something like that? Yep, yep. I'm yeah, because I was now. like... Okay, so, but uh, me judging a uh, book based off of its cover, Hoot and Flush have very similar, like, layouts. Um, okay, did you think that because of Winn-Dixie and... The Tale of Despero. Like, thinking about it now, do you feel like there was, like, overlap in the style of writing or voice or whatever from... I don't have a clue, gotta say. Oh, gotta Because <laughs> I don't remember. Great. I just remember not liking the ending of Because of Win Dixie. Well, actually, no. Well, then, maybe that is... I'm jumping a little ahead, but maybe that is just Kate DiCamillo's writing style, because I also hated the ending maybe. of this book. Sorry, guys. Uh, whoopsie. Yeah. Well, anyway, do you want to do that blurb and, uh, and then read. educate our readers on what we're talking about? Yes. I would love to read the blurb for you. <clears throat> wow, thank you. Here we go. A brave mouse, a covetous rat, a wishful serving girl, and a princess named P come together in Kate DiCamillo's Newbery Medal winning tale. Welcome to the story of Despero Tilling, 
a mouse who is in love with music, stories, and a princess named P. It is also the story of a rat called Roscuro, who lives in the darkness and covets a world filled with light. And it is the story of Miggery Sow. Miggery Sow, I don't know. A slow-witted serving girl who harbors a simple, impossible wish. These three characters are about to embark on a journey that will lead them down into a horrible dungeon, up into a glittering castle, and ultimately into each other's lives. What happens then? As Kate DiCamillo would say, Reader, it is your destiny to find out. I didn't know it, that, it won a medal, a Newbery medal. It did, well, I did, because it's on the cover. Oh, yeah. If, if I had actually read the book, I would have seen it on the cover. Listen, this did not scream Newbery medal than me. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say. But, listen, what do I know about what the children want, you know? Yeah, apparently so it's the literary award given to the author of, quote, the most distinguished contribution to American literature for children. It's on the medal, too. Oh, well, I don't have the book in front of me, Laura, so that's a little uh, rude of you to just flaunt that. Yeah. Well, listen, I don't know when this was published. Maybe that year it just was. It was just a shit year for children's books, so they're like, all right, well, there's a mouse. This one. Do you want my plot summary? I would, yes. Take me away. I will take you away right now. Okay, so there's four really main characters. There's a mouse called Despero who was born with big ears and a tiny body. And all the mice, all the mice think he's really weird because he won't scurry back and forth with them. And he can read for no reason. And there's a rat called Roscuro, which is short for Chiaro Scuro, sure. for some reason. And so the rats live in the dungeon, and they spend all their days torturing the prisoners. But one day, he gets a glimpse of sunlight, and he's like, wow, what's that? So he goes upstairs, and then he frightens the queen to death. And then he, the princess screams or laughs or something at him, and he wants revenge on the princess, and he hates all humans, and he hates the light. And he goes back to the dungeon. There's the serving girl, Miguri Sal, who was, as a young, young girl, sold by her father to another man so that he could have uh what like food or something um no a tablecloth yeah he wanted a red tablecloth food no red tablecloth a tablecloth yeah and then the guy she's living with like she just does all those chores and he like hits her on the ear a lot um so then she can't hear very well but then like the you know the kingdom cops come and they're like you can't (laughs) Kingdom cops. <laughs> They're like, you can't own a person. We're gonna take her back to the castle, where she's just a servant there, but she gets paid, I guess. Wait, did um, you say what happened after the queen died? What the king did? He banned all rats and he banned all soup because that's what the rat was sitting in. Anyway, okay, so Miggery Sow, her deepest dream is to become a princess one day. So that's just that's all she wants. And then there's Princess P, who's like a princess. Uh, Despero sees her and falls in love with her. And that's all you need to know, folks. And that's, yeah, that's it. Her, and then she, and she is very sad that her mom died because it was very recent. So, so Despero meets the princess, falls in love. And he's like, well, I gotta, like, help her out. And the rat wants to take revenge on her. So when the servant girl gets there, he tricks the servant girl into bringing the princess into the dungeon by holding her at knife point. And Despero overhears his plan. So Despero, oh my god. But, and, okay, well, like, and then he, the rat convinces the servant girl because the servant girl wants to be a princess 
So he's mm-hmm. like, oh, if you capture her, then you guys can just trade places. And then, no offense, but Miguri Sao is not, like, the brightest bright in the bright. But, like, no. doesn't... Is just like, oh, I'm sure it'll be fun, and I won't actually have to hurt anyone. So she... Except for, I'll just have to hold this girl at knife point for a little bit, but then it'll all be fun, and, like... Yeah, and I'll be a princess. Yeah, it'll all work out. Meanwhile, Despero was thrown into the dungeon by his family Because it's against Mouse Law to, like, fall in love, and also he's the only one who can ever, ever, ever hear music forever. Exactly, yes. So he was... He's been in the dungeon, he hears this plan, so he goes upstairs, falls asleep for 12 hours, and then goes down to the dungeon again just in time to save the princess. Uh, And somehow he convinces them all to, like, kill the rat. But the rat doesn't end up killed. No one dies. And they all uh, go back up to the light. Princess P is still a princess. Vigory Sao finds her dad, but she's not a princess. The rat is kind of happy. And Despero... Is also kind of Is also kind of... Also kind of happy. And that's the end. Yeah. Amazing. And that... That, listen, all that plot the stuff where stuff happens was like 25% of the book. 75% of it was set up. Yeah. Let's just jump straight into unanswered questions because I remembered like half of them while you were talking about the summer. Yeah. Okay. First of all, is it actually possible to be scared to death? Like, I know it is. Like, okay. I know like you can... (laughs) Your adrenaline can just go freaking crazy, and then your, like, heart stops mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, maybe you get a heart attack. But, like... Yeah. Like, is this The Sims where you can scare someone to death? Like, can you, really? Oh, my gosh. What's the accuracy of this... Of the queen's death? Because, honestly, maybe right. she's dying from something else. We need a medical professional on this podcast. We need to get a guest a medical professional. <laughs> oh! Oh, my sister was one, but she's already been a guest. <gasps> I mean, she could be a guest again, uh, but it's too late. Yeah. If you know, write in tweet at us or email us but i feel like this is like just vaguely old and medieval european time so maybe she died of consumption Mm -hmm. aka tuberculosis i mean that's that's like the time area where they thought that like the reasons rocks fell is because they were part earth and that earth calls to earth so listen like (laughs) we don't have to give them too much credit this also this is all like even within this story world this is a a kingdom where the king bans soup and rats but, like, also is, like, somehow baffled that the things still exist even though he banned them. And you're like, listen, dude, you're not God. So if you mm. ban them, it's still going to be. What makes a mouse a mouse? And what makes a rat a rat? Because the mice are all like, we're mice. So we scurry back and forth and we eat paper and we just run around all day. And the rats are like, we are rats. Rats. We're the rats. We're crusty um, and we're nasty and we're the rats. Okay, that was also... Yes. I want to say, I did not appreciate all this mouse versus rat hate, okay? And it really yeah. was, like, there was a lot of hate from the mice. And, I mean, we don't get the rat side of the story. But since we don't get the rat side of the story, there's no hate from the rats. The rats are just like, yeah, you guys are mean to us, so I guess we're evil now. And I feel like they just accept mm-hmm. their fate. Because... I'll be honest. This reading Tale of Despero just made me want to watch Ratatouille, which is all about rats. And yeah. nowhere in Ratatouille are they just like, and the mice suck. No. Then the book makes, narrator really makes a point that the rats are ugly. And that's yeah. kind of sad. That's not really warranted. But also just like, why do they need such conformity in the communities? Like, why, why do they literally sentence a mouse to death for not conforming? Sounds like some propaganda. No, I don't know. Well, and, like, yeah. <laughs> obviously, like, so I guess you're not supposed to be with 
like, as a reader, you're not supposed to side with the mice or the rats. You're just supposed to side with Despero, this individual, which actually does sound like propaganda, mm-hmm. pretty typical American propaganda. But also, growing up, I knew a lot more friends with pet rats than pet mice, okay? How many more? I think, I don't know anyone who had a pet mouse, but, like, my brother had a pet rat, my friend had a pet <laughs> rat, and then my other, other friend had a pet rat. So that's three versus zero. Wow, okay, that's a lot. I've, I know neither for either category. <laughs> yeah, no, so I guess, like, the difference, to answer your question, the difference between the two is, I guess, rats are larger. And Italian. And they're, yeah, they're all, they're, and then all the mice are, um... French. French. I, yeah, I totally, I totally did not notice that. That they're just like, oh, yes, and our Italian brethren, the rats, and you're like... I don't know, I think if I was more of a, like, history major or something, I'd be like, well, at the time, this was reflective of, like, the American thought of blah, 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 blah. But then again, maybe I'm just, like, a huge conspiracy theorist, and I'm like, everything is against us. Well, going back to this rat hate thing, I was wondering, like, do the rats know that they're evil? Or are they, like, (coughs) like, or... Not know that they're evil. Like, how self-aware? Yeah, how self-aware are these rats? Is it... Are these rats evil because that's just where they... How they are, and this is, like, a children's book where people who are evil are doing so with... Like, everything they do is with malicious intent? Or is it, like, these rats have been told that they're evil so often that they're just like, you know what, I guess that's all I can be, and that's the life I'm gonna live. Like, they get enjoyment out of this. Yeah. Also, yeah, they freaking torture people, and they're like, this is how you torture people. They're like, this is what you do. You find the thing they want, and then you, like, dangle in front of them and take it away. And it feels so good, because you're a rat. And it's like, it's a little messed up. <laughs> but do they think it's messed up? Don't think so. No, I think they do think it's messed up, because if they didn't, I think they would use different language. They wouldn't be like, this is how you torture people. You would. They would have been like, this is just the way it is. This is the hierarchy of yeah. things, and like... This is us interacting with humans, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't really call it torturing, and they wouldn't get so much glee out of it. Yeah. So I think... Oh, so you're thinking, like, they get glee out of it because it's bad? Because, oh. yeah, because I think that maybe DiCamillo wrote pretty flat, two-dimensional characters all the uh-huh. way through, but especially with the rats, because she's like, they're evil, they just take it at face value, they know they're evil, and, like... But she also tries to give them redeeming qualities because, like, Rescuero's whole backstory is about why, how, you know, he accidentally killed the queen um, because he was mesmerized by the light because he was always different. So she's trying to humanize him. At the same time, doesn't give him enough, like, complexity to not just Mm -hmm. be an evil rat who does evil things. My next question is, how can Despero read? Like, there's this big deal where he goes with his sister and they find a book and she's like, look, this is the paper and you eat the glue and it's so tasty. And he's like, A, that's nasty. B, there's words in this paper. And she's like, what are words? (laughs) So... Just, I don't think there's an answer. Like, how can he read not having been taught at all? <laughs> totally fair. And also, how come he gets to know what words are and also, like, be able to distinguish what music is? Yes, that's another good question. Well, I mean, I guess, like, they say, like, oh, he knows what music is because his ears are so freaking huge. Or something. Is that what they say? Yeah, in the beginning. What, I mean, oh. I don't, they don't directly say that, but I think it's implied because, like, Obviously, a hu- like, uh, one of the main physical traits of him is huge ears. And at yes. the very beginning of the book, they talk about that. And they also talk about how he was born with his eyes open. So mm. maybe he was just like, my eyes were so fully oh. developed, I learned how to read before I even knew how to pee. Or 
Yeah. <laughs> Before I knew how to do that. <laughs> something. That's my guess. Interesting. That's why. That's a good theory. But I think it's still unanswered. But also, I don't accept it. Also, talking about, like, two-dimensional characters, Princess P just yeah. really didn't do it for me. And the only time mm-hmm. I really feel like you hear her, like, her moment in the story, because she isn't one of the three parts of the, you know, like, we get the POV of Despero, then Rescuro, then Migri Sao. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you ever get Princess P's, but she's in all of them. And, like, in the last section, when she gets captured by Migri Sao, she... this is, And it's all told from third person, third, like, third-party perspective mm-hmm. or whatever. So, the author's like, and then Princess P, like, wasn't even angry at Migri Sao. She empathized her. And everything was okay. And, I don't know, like, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, like, mm-hmm. the word empathy, I'm kind of like, oh, is mm. empathy really good anymore? Or is it Princess P just pitying Migri Sao and is just like, mm-hmm. she hasn't really changed her perspective on, like, her status and how they're, like, unequal. But now she's just flipped mm-hmm. it so she could just think, like, oh, well, I'm so much better than this person, so it's my job to save them by pitying them or something. I don't know. Or by forgiving them, offering this forgiveness yeah. because then I can move on. And live a, you know, be, like, live with a clear conscience. Yeah. Which isn't to say that, like, Princess Speed is responsible for Miguri Sao's fate. Now in this progressive age, quote-unquote, you know, we're finding out, you know, it doesn't really do that much, uh, like, help to say, right. oh, I put myself in their shoes and I felt really bad and that was it and now I'm good. Yeah. Like, that doesn't change anything. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just skeptical of Princess Speed because she didn't really have any part other than to... I guess, forgive Mickery Sal. Yes. That was one of my questions was like, what do we know about her? We don't really know anything. We know she misses her mom and she said that she's dead and that's like very real. Um, we know she's not used to being told what to do because they mentioned that like five times. <laughs> yeah. Also for the viewers, her name is P is in P-E-A and I don't, I don't know why it's that either. Does that mean anything to you? Uh, maybe... I, like, it instantly just makes me think of, like, the princess and the pea, but that had no real right. part in it. So, I guess it just makes me think of, like, no. whimsy and fairy tale. But that's all I can... Yeah. Because sometimes they call her the pea. Yeah, which is weird. I don't like that. <laughs> On the other hand, Megri Sao, who's got, like, the trauma of a thousand individuals in one little little girl... She's got... Yeah. She's only 12. Yeah, like, what well, in the ending, like, she doesn't really get a happy... Like, originally... She is traded by her father for a red scarf. I think and a chicken. I think and a chicken. Not that that's better. I'm just saying. I think maybe something else. So, okay. And maybe a chicken. And then she, in Desperate Section, you're introduced, or there's a mention of a prisoner in the dungeon who is there and he's got a red cloth. And then later on in Miggory Sow's section, you realize that the prisoner is her father who... Somehow ended up in prison. I don't remember how. And then she meets him at the very end of the book. It's like, you're my mm-hmm. dad? And I'm like, yeah, your dad who traded you in for a tablecloth. But then mm-hmm. they just, like, go off and live and- together. And I'm like, all right, well, I feel like that. Yeah, here's what the book has to say about her fate. Miggory Sao, as you might have guessed, did not get to be a princess. But her father, to atone for what he had done, treated her like one for the rest of his days. Like, no, he should stay in prison. Okay, well, and, and then I have, like, two more questions. What did you think of the writing style? Because it is written in third person, like, 
all this mm-hmm. dear reader stuff. Like, why do you think it happened? I have my own theories, but... Uh, well, like, the experience, I have to say, was tedious, just because I was like... Yeah, I know, I'm still here. I'm still reading. Um, just like, knock, knock, hey. Don't forget, I know hey, who you are. Hey, reader. I'm like, what? What? I'm reading. <laughs> You're in front of my eyeballs. I thought there was a lot of mention about, like, oh, you know what this word means? Go look it up. Because that describes the situation perfectly. Like, perfidy. And I'm like, well, I get that you're trying to help me ace the SAT, but maybe we don't have to spend so much time on that. Yeah, maybe you leave me alone for the words I don't know. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. But for as why it happened, um, I mean, like, whenever that happens, you know, you automatically think it'd be better spoken, um, or it's as if this person was talking to you. So, like, maybe it's meant to be a bit more, like, ever read a loud book. What do you think? I mean, like, yeah, I think kind of along the same lines. I was thinking more of the audience. So, again, if you're reading this in, like, fifth grade, it kind of does make sense where it's, like, checking in, like, hey, are you paying attention, you little nasty? Mm -hmm. I mean, not only is it supposed to be kind of this like uh, selfish like checkpoint like you better be paying attention but also it's probably engaging for young readers to be like I guess I like I'm not sh- I don't think they're totally fooled and they're like oh my gosh Kate mm-hmm. DiCamillo's talking to me but they're like oh this is like oh it's cute and it's a little personal or something it's kitschy yeah it's like it's different than a regular book breaking the fourth wall is quirky and it's cool and it's exciting sometimes so that in itself is not like give me the trouble it's just that it was like so often that i was like do you think that's how our listeners feel because i mean we break the wall the we break the wall we break the fourth we break the walls (laughs) we break those walls pretty often well listener listen uh if you feel that way you should tell us because we value communication also we want to empathize with you and we might want to change stuff too Okay, I have one final question. Okay, good. What is your favorite soup? Oh my gosh. Well, okay, we're counting like ramen as soup and pho. Oh my gosh, if it does, then it's freaking pho all the way. Okay, no, but we'll talk about like, I think we're not talking about like, we're not talking about chili because well, chili is, I guess, technically a soup as yeah. well. No, we're okay. talking about like, you know, like your bisques, Brothy. your your minstronies, your broth. I like a good uh, New England clam chowder from Progresso or Progressive or whatever the fricky frack is called. <laughs> they, you, know, the, you know that insurance company that gives you soup? Man, that's so hard. I love a lot of soups. There's a really, so many oh, there's soups. a really good um, red pepper gouda bisque at this one cafe downtown. Oh. It's so good. I love a good bisque. Oh, wait, and then you gave me that stuff that your mom made. <gasps> yeah, Thai peanut soup. To like, Thai peanut soup with shrimp? Oh, oh. Okay, I love that. I love French onion. I really love, um, I mean, I love chicken noodle soup and beef noodle soup. I'm not a big fan of chicken noodle soup. I don't, well, I'm so sorry. What about, like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. I forgot. What about gazpacho cold soup? I don't. Neither do I. Sorry. Well, I mean, like, okay, I don't hate it. Like, I won't eat it. Like, if you give me a gazpacho, no. I'm going to eat it. But I'm like, yeah, but sure. I already typically like to eat warm things. And if, soup is traditionally warm i would not opt mm-hmm. for cold soup no anyway so for like a single answer i would say like ramen but pho is like also up there anyway soup is very good soup is so good like that uh, seinfeld and... episode with oh, soup no. i can relate what i haven't seen that time i've never watched seinfeld here's what um i know that in like soup and pop culture i know that in 
Cards Against Humanity. There's one of my favorite cards, which Soup, is... that is too yeah, hot. Yeah, it's my favorite. That's one of my yes. favorite cards. And then in iCarly, there's this one part where, like, Carly's trying to make a guy not like her. So they're on a dating show, like, quote-unquote dating show, like, that they made up. And then the question is, what would you do to, like, wake me up in the morning if we were together? And then she says, I'd pour hot soup on your face, which I would hate. Wouldn't enjoy. <laughs> I'd love soup, but I don't want it on my face or in my bed. I want it in my I mouth. I was going to say, I would be more horrified that it's in my pillow. Yeah, I'd be like, oh! I'd be like, it's never going to get out of my pillow. <laughs> yeah. I like how that was my first thought. My pillow! <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, let me think about soup for one more second. <laughs> I just, I, let me just think about soup for Give me a whole one more second and then I'm done, I swear. Oh my god, I had soup for lunch today. Um, I think about the soup from, like, Ratatouille. Maybe not a soup, but, like, a broth. The what? The sauce? Like a broth? Yeah. Yeah, the sauce. I know, it was a soup. Because okay. he comes, because like, the waiter comes back and he's like, what did she say? And it was like, oh, is the girl, is the woman from the, uh, uh, food the critic, magazine, whatever. whatever. And then she's like, he comes back in, he's like, she loves the soup! And then they're like, yay! So it was a soup. Okay, thank you. Okay, we're done thinking about soup for now. Are you ready to move on for to now. intended takeaways and judgments? Yeah, I guess. Great, it took us forever. <laughs> but we did it. Okay, what are your okay. intended takeaways? And what are your judgments? Okay, I think that the intended takeaway is, like, the book is saying, you know, it's better to not conform. It's better to be yourself than to do what everybody else tells you to do just because you are a certain, we're born a certain way. And I'm like, you know, that is good. That is a good point. Um, And also that empathy is good. Like, we should try to understand those who harm us. We should try to see where they're coming from. Um, But I didn't, you know, that can take you so far like we've talked about how yeah recently with, like all these black lives matter just dis- like discussions that like empathy can only do so much mm-hmm. you know because that doesn't always lead into action you know it sometimes it just leads into like feeling pity but then being like oh i did it I've, i'm a better person now and you can just go away yeah well yeah i feel like it's like empathy is not an action and it's stuff that doesn't have power like empathy has power mm-hmm. in that like you know you can it can change the way you think about things but you have to act on those things for you know things to change outside of just yourself yeah um don't be perfidious you know listen don't throw your literal son or literal brother in the darkness to die because it's bad (laughs) you know yeah and listen even rats can enjoy the light which is to say people that you think are bad don't have to be (laughs) except for in this one everyone fit their description pretty much exactly except for i guess despero no he did not marry the princess just so we're all clear he they did not get married. Yeah, no. He, they didn't get married, which I guess ultimately is probably good because I don't know about... I don't know my thoughts about bestiality yet. Mm-hmm. Um, on this, on those, on that line, this also made me want to watch the B movie. <laughs> oh, yeah! Uh, and other judgments. Uh, it's very Eurocentric. Like I said, the mice are French and the rats are Italian. And not that all people who speak French or have French names and Italian names are white but it just seemed like a very eurocentric book like i don't think that they were intended to not be white yeah like i don't think they're trying yeah. to break any barriers with the names and been like i don't think yeah like, i don't think that was that play. and and he's malaysian yeah like boom <laughs> let's see another thing oh yeah this whole message about like empathy and forgiveness setting you free listen that is good but to a point like because there's this whole thing about forgiveness 
makes you the better person, like being able to forgive someone else, it'll give you closure. And that's not always true. Like you might be able to forgive someone, like under, you know, not hold things against them, but still feel really bad about a situation or like not be able to move on from something, you know, like trauma. Yeah. You don't know my freaking journey. Mm-hmm. So I just think, you know, that's obviously a positively intended message, but it's very oversimplified for kids. They're going to find out that it's not going to hold water in some situations. I do, you know, as I said, I did think that the stay true to yourself message is good. You know, don't conform. Don't scurry back and forth just because the people tell you. Do it because you really, really want to and you feel good doing it. Uh, oh yeah, parenthood. Like, there's one dad in here who, like, sells his kid. That's pretty bad. I feel like that was kind of glossed over and I don't like how that was handled. I did at least appreciate that, like, the cops of the kingdom were like, you can't own a person to that guy. <laughs> like good i guess <laughs> uh and the last thing you can't ban soup you just can't do it dude <laughs> yeah we just had a whole discussion we had to think about soup for another second you can't do it yeah yeah so rulers are the worst is, is that take yeah they're selfish that. they don't think about every, all yeah. the other soup lovers out there like no listen i'm sorry that your wife died but she didn't die of soup she died she died of being scared are you gonna ban being scared have fun with that right Anyways, um, I think, yeah, like, for the most part, same uh, takeaways. I think the whole thing was, like, the complexity of people's stories because since they're, they are interwoven, which really hones in the empathy part of it, it's just supposed to be like, you know, don't forget that you are a force that affects change in other people and, like, we're all connected. Mm-hmm. It, like, it reminds me of the movie Crash, where, but it was, like, just, you know the exact same thing as this it shows you like a bunch of different people and then how they all interact with each other and how each of their like interactions affect the next person's and the next person's and like the butterfly effect or whatever mm-hmm. and that movie's just kind of it's like pretty heavy handed um mm. and then like judgments the ending I didn't like the ending it was just like very unsatisfying and I don't think it got yeah. enough attention as it deserved. Yeah, but it, like, totally a plateau. Because can I read mm-hmm. a part towards the end? Towards the climax. Okay, so at this point, the rat and the Miggery's sow have, like, led the princess to the dungeon. And they're going to lock her up. And so Miggery's sow thing thought she was going to, like, take the princess's place. But the rat's like, no, I'm going to leave you here. Because only the rats can get in and out. Because it's too dark. So, so now, you know, the two girls, they're against the rat and stuff. But, okay, so the rat's like, the princess will stay here in the darkness, and you will stay with her. And Mercury Sal is like, but I want to go upstairs. And the princess is like, well, we're stuck here, Mig, unless the rat has a change of heart and decides to lead us out. Um, and the rat's like, there will be no changes of heart. None. And then it says, so the rat, the princess, and the servant girl sat together in a dungeon as, outside the castle, the sun rose and moved to the sky and sank to the earth again, and night fell. That's a long time. They sat together until the candle had burned out and another one had to be lit. They sat together in the dungeon. They sat and sat. And, reader, truthfully, they might be sitting there still if a mouse had not arrived. There's no point. There's no reason that the rat could not leave them there. So, that's the climax. But I will say, what I did like about it is 
the way that it kind of revealed the information, because it reminds me of the book that I'm currently reading, Anxious People by Frederick Bachman, mm. for the book group that we're in that you suggested. Great job, Laura. Um, yes, I'm leading it. But uh, to me, they're like similar techniques where it is, you get these different perspectives and you, like a character is mentioned offhanded and then you realize how connected mm-hmm. they are. And I find that very, very satisfying. I think it's bizarre that you were comparing this book to anxious people. <laughs> like we're putting them side by side comparison. I know. Look at me. Just yeah. making these real world connections. That's probably what they freaking wanted us to do. Okay, were you ready to move on to ratings? Yeah. I give this a 2 out of 10. I give this a 4 out of 10. Great. I'll tell you why. I listened to it, I guess entertaining as a listen, but to think about it and have to talk about it, like, it just made me think of other things and then maybe want to talk about those things and not the book itself. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that's great. Maybe that's good for that book to do that because then it makes me, like, you know, again, make real-world connections. But overall... Four out of ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Okay, so I read it. I did not listen to it. And maybe it would have been better listening to it. But I thought it spent so much time setting up a, a climax that doesn't really pay off. Yeah, it just has a lot of messages that are very oversimplified while glossing over, like, some pretty serious topics. And I think that kids can handle a lot more than... You know, like... like I don't know. I think a kid could have handled a little bit more. Maybe, and maybe, I don't know, 10-year-old me might have liked it a lot. but Because I had way different tastes as a 10-year-old. So I don't know. Do you have a recommendation based on this book? Um, um, my recommendation. Obviously, it's going to be Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. I'm not even done with it yet, but I know that this is a book <laughs> that uses some of the similar techniques I see uh, in Tale of Despero. Like, it addresses the reader directly, and it uses this revealing information's kind of dynamic, but you care about the plot. So, yeah. Laura? I would recommend Princess Academy by Shannon Hale. Um, just because I think, you know, I think it is a bit more mature. It gives kids a bit more complex themes. When did you read it? I actually read it as like a 16-year-old, and I also read it last year just to, for the, just for the fun of it. Hmm. No, I think also in that book, like, the main character learns to read. It's not like the mouse where he just knows how to read. <laughs> I'm currently reading kind of a couple things. Like, I'm in the middle of Save- Sharks in the Time of Saviors by Kawaii Strong Washburn. I say I'm in the middle because I've started the first chapter and I've read nothing else. But I own it, so um, I can finish it whenever I want. I'm still in the middle of Hood Feminism, but my hold expired, so I gotta wait 16 more weeks to get it back. But I'm still keeping it in my oh currently my reading because, listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start it over. And I'm also started Under the Udala Trees by Chinelo Okparanta. And I'm also technically in the middle of Frederick Bachman's Anxious mm. People, but I'm not counting that because I read it like two months yeah, ago. Yeah, and you talked about it on the podcast, so we know. I did. We know you're lying. Which I have to say, listeners, like, so this, in this book group, and with Ellie, I did not spoil mm. a big part of the book. No. And not spoiling it for you either. Uh, and it's pretty impressive because we got to, like, the la- the most recent book club meeting and we were all like, oh my god! And I was like, yes! Finally! Yeah. What were you, what have you finished since last time? Wait, no. No, what are you currently reading? I am currently reading Loving Day still. My goal, along with my goal to read 100 books. I'm, I'm, by the way, people, I'm at like 93 or something. I'm so freaking close. And I unfortunately didn't get to finish all 100 by the time we recorded this podcast. But freaking look out for my Twitter because I I think it's going to happen, people. 
I think yeah. I'm going to be able to read slash listen to a hundred books. I'm reading Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. I'm on, I've got like two chapters left and then I'm done. I'm listening to Dad is Fat by Jim Gaffigan, which is just a, you know, celebrity memoir. And then I'm reading Palace of Subatomic Bliss by Darcy Denigan, which is a book of poetry. Mm. And I've been reading a lot more poetry lately because one, you know, I want to read poetry. And two, those books are short as hell. So they're crossing off my mm-hmm. list and it ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Okay, Laura, mm-hmm. what have you currently been reading? No, no, what? Are, no, no. What have I currently been reading? <laughs> what have you already read? <laughs> what have I read since last time? Uh, or what has happened see. since last time uh, in your... Uh... Oh my gosh. Okay, my reading goals... Well, originally for the whole year, I set a goal of 50. And then um, when the pandemic hit, I was like, what the heck? I'll raise it to 52. I'd just go crazy. Um, and I've read 63 books so far. Woohoo! this year and but even more so i have finished the read harder challenge 2020 um which is a challenge published by bookriot.com where you have like 24 tasks to complete throughout the year so and they're meant to push you outside your comfort zone so one was like read a book that takes place in a rural setting read a book that's historical fiction but not set in world war ii which actually was kind of hard to think that for a second Mm -hmm. is like all the recommendations are like world war ii um, or read a debut book by a queer author, or read a play by an author of color, and all these things. So I, yeah, read a lot of books that were fun, like Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse. That one was a real roller coaster, but it was like probably a stand-up book for the year, like one that I thought was like most memorable. Um, and I read that pretty much directly because of this challenge. So I'm not saying like I'm a better person or anything. I'm just saying it was fun, and I didn't really didn't think I was gonna finish it, but I did. Okay, the one that was okay. I kind of um, you cheated. Readers, I did kind of cheat on. I did cheat. Um, it was read a door stopper. Yeah, written by a woman, published after 1950. And a door stopper is just a book that's over 500 pages. Um, that one actually okay. <laughs> I cheated because so when I was reading the Priory of the Orange Tree, um, I think Samantha Shannon is the author, and I, so I read it mostly in 2019. But when I saw that that was part of the challenge, I paused reading. <laughs> And finished it in January of this oh year. Oh my gosh. No, so that's smart. That's, re- that's reading smarter, not harder. Yeah. Reading smarter, not harder. Exactly. So, anyway. Also, I looked at your list because you started all on your social oh. media. You really started a whole freaking movement in our community. Ew. Yeah. And I looked at the list and I tried to complete it. I think I made, made like two that made the cut, but then I was like, well, shit. I didn't read these. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Roxanne Gay on Twitter just posted she's like i'm starting a book like a book of the month and it's called the audacious <laughs> book club and i mean i don't know i think i'm gonna try and follow it and read along yeah maybe yeah because like okay like i said i'm not trying to be like this read harder challenge mixes you a better person or better reader it's just something yeah. fun and then you don't have to complete it to have fun doing it like i really well listen i wasn't sure if i was going to but because i'm such like a detailed perfectionist person i was like i have to finish it a week ago um but that's just me that's just me i mean yeah that's just me too obviously because i'm like i will read a hundred books it doesn't mean i'm gonna remember them or enjoy it i'm just gonna do it (laughs) doesn't mean i'm gonna process them doesn't mean i'm gonna like them do you know how many podcasts i've missed out on because i'm like every time i finish an audiobook i'm like okay well i need to start another one because listen you know the end of 2020 is near and i need to reach my goal okay sorry 
<laughs> anyway, so yeah, you're among friends here so anyway. in, that, in that perfectionist sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what have I read yes. since last time? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I finished Her Body and Other Parties Same. by Carmen Maria Machado for our book group. Uh, that was really cool. I read Autumn by Ali Smith, and that one's been on my to-be-read list for a while, and I did not think it was worth it, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, but moving on. Artemis <laughs> by Andy Wire. Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. Salvage of the Bones by Jasmine Ward. Both Magic for Liars and Salvage of the Bones were for my Read Harder Challenge. Ooh, Magic for Liars. I also read The Mysterious Benedict Society and The Riddled Ages, the fourth book, which is also for my Read Harder Challenge. And finally, The Pepper Prince and the Eucalyptus Gin, which was published on Tor.com. Wait, you read all these within the last, like, month? Yeah. God damn, woman. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. Very impressive. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm back on that reading schedule. Yeah, now you're like, Whoa! When I'm not reading, exactly. I'm dead. <laughs> what have you read since last time? Also... Her Body and Other Parties. Another short story collection I read was Grand Union oh. by Zadie Smith. You know how I feel about short stories, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, I finished Well Read Black Girl by Glory Edom. The Namesake by Jhumpa Lahiri, which was really good. It was suggested to me by Ooh. a friend, and I listened to the audiobook. And it is about Indian immigrants. It's not high fantasy. It's, like, pretty much grounded in realism. But it was, like, causing me anxiety so much. Because, you know, like, just there's so much trauma that you are going to anticipate and you're like obviously there's trauma in this book otherwise it wouldn't have been written but I still really enjoyed it so um, mm-hmm. I've read Interpreter Mal- of Validies by that same author and I like Jump that Jump Over Here is really good yeah. um, Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson Me Earl and the Dying mm. Girl by Jesse Andrews American Letters Works on Paper by Giovanni Singleton which was a chat book Dear Girls by Ali Wong I would suggest that um, it's a celebrity memoir and it's just really funny to listen to and it made me laugh um great guns by farnoosh fati which is a chat book nothing to see here by kevin wilson dead dad club by julian Schendelman, which is a chat book and i just finished listening to the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime by mark Haddon, which uh mentioned cornwall england and i was like oh i gotta text Whoa. kate in the middle of the night but then i was like never mind and i didn't <laughs> So now that we're coming to an end, maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't. We didn't have our segment of like talking about uh, black individuals and organizations to amplify. And we kind of wanted to just leave that to the end. Yeah. This, uh, so this will probably be or the last time for now that we're going to do this segment on our podcast. It kind of wraps up our season pretty well. Mm-hmm. But also we just kind of talked about it. And it's for us has become a little bit more like mechanic than constructive, like searching for these organizations and presenting them mm-hmm. here. So we decided we're just going to take a step back and we're going to try to find other ways to stay socially active in our lives besides just doing this for the podcast. So we definitely appreciate you um, listening to it every time or maybe you skipped it. We'll <laughs> never know. Um, but yeah, but allowing us to take up the space. Uh, but we yeah look forward to uh, the work we can do in the future. Yeah, and, like, to go to off help. of that, not to be selfish, but, you know, like, it was a learning experience for me. It brought more awareness to yeah. my actions of social activism. And especially, mm-hmm. like, I think I mentioned the word newsfeed on this podcast a billion times because it, I was more aware of how my newsfeed would change and how it is so mm-hmm. easy for the Black Lives Movement to become a moment, how much of an act, active effort you have to put in to mm-hmm. stay engaged on social issues 
and just in certain communities. Um, mm-hmm. And I think uh, what this segment kind of brought into my life was, like, my nose feed has changed, and I am following mm-hmm. a lot more accounts, and I've been introduced to a lot more BIPOC voices, which I think is really important mm-hmm. to me, because there have been, I'm not going to lie, like, many times where I found an organization, I'm like, oh, this is perfect for podcasts, but I'm like, oh, it doesn't fit our kind of quote-unquote strict criteria of mm-hmm. um, black voices. And so, and not, it's and it's not because black voices, you know, like, don't exist, but I, it, like, I mm-hmm. think just for me, it was a very eye-opening experience of putting uh, intention in your efforts when, you, when it mm-hmm. comes to social activism. Yeah, and I'll kind of build on that and say, for me, I learned that, like, so whenever I would need to, like, find an organization, I would kind of, I'd actually learn to start by thinking about a cause that I wanted to think of, like, um, black lives in regards to disability or black lives in regards to, um, like, for today, um, the death of the heart of human community. Mm-hmm. And I would kind of search that and realize that, oh, like, exi- organizations and movements exist for that already. Like, people are doing this work. Because I think that just kind of shows that, even though I wasn't aware of it all the time, like, this is super important to people. And it, uh, that was pretty eye-opening as well for me. Yeah, so we just want to say, like, going forward, that like, that's the decision behind the choices we're making. Trying to be transparent, mm-hmm. all right? But going forward, um, let's get the ball rolling. I was talking about how many podcasts I missed out on earlier because I've been listening to so many books, but one podcast I haven't mm. been missing out on and I was introduced to is, um, I don't know if it's Versus Podcast or VS, but it's a podcast about poetry oh. and it's hosted by, uh, and I know I'm going to butcher these names, but... Denez Smith and Franny Choi. And I've listened to a couple of episodes. I usually am the type of person who, when I find a new podcast, I, I like, got to go through the back catalog and then work my way up and get the treat of, like, listening to relevant news. Oh, yeah. But with this one, I have just listened to select episodes. And they've just been amazing at articulating a lot of thoughts that I've had when it comes to poetry or when it comes to being a writer or even more specifically a writer of color. And so that's just been like really satisfying for me to listen to. Okay, Laura, go. So the organization that I'm promoting, I actually found because um, on my Twitter feed, actually, I've become a bit more aware of Black ASL. I'll explain what that is in a second. So I found this documentary called Sunning Black in America, and they kind of explain what it's about a lot better than I could. So I'm just going to read their blurb. Mm -hmm. Signing Black in America is the first documentary about Black ASL, the unique dialect of American Sign Language that developed within historically segregated African-American deaf communities. Black ASL today conveys an identity and sense of belonging that mirrors spoken language varieties of the African-American hearing community. Different uses of space, hand use, direction of movement, and facial expression are ways that Black ASL distinguishes itself as a vibrant dialect of American Sign Language. The African-American deaf community is now embracing their unique variety as a symbol of solidarity and a vital part of their identity. So since this is uh, a documentary, the best way to promote it or like consume it would be to buy the DVD. Or it looks like you can call your local PBS station and request a screening or check for one. But it is actually um, kind of a subset of the Language of Life Project, which is a nonprofit at North Carolina State that centers outreach education in regards to different dialects, languages, and cultures in the United States. So like a broader look at yeah. language. It's more broad than just BIPOC identities, but it would also be pretty cool. So moving on to like organizations. This one I'm like kind of bends the rules, I guess, because it is not an organization that is exclusively devoted to black individuals but 
Um, it is called Domping Grounds. And the reason I know about it is because my coworker is the leader, the person who started it. Um, and it's focusing on the southeast neighborhood of Colorado Springs, which is primarily made mm. up of low-income families, and a lot of them are black. So when I think about like finding meaning in like the Black Lives Matter movement for me um, and going local, it is like this organization. And so within Stomping Grounds, they've started a series called The Daily Dose 719, and they have videos where it kind of breaks down the history of Colorado Springs and then the community of Southeast themselves. And then it goes more into like some logistics, like why Southeast is the way it is and the factors that have led to that. So that's just really cool to see the mm. ground, like see that from the like grassroots level. And like, I don't think they have a way to like donate, but if you go to their website, which I will link all of the things that we've talked about in our episode notes, um, they have released a couple of episodes of The Daily Dose, and you should watch them. You should learn. Especially if you're from Colorado Springs, you should, like, learn about that community. Um, and then if you're not, I think they're still just really interesting to mm. to watch. Laura, take it away. Okay, uh, so I knit and crochet, and so I use acrylic yarn a lot. And acrylic yarn is cheap and warm, but it is also literally, like, plastic. So I was kind of looking for... Uh, an alternative and I actually found this really cool creator um, her name is Lauren and she owns Mother of Pearl that's like her Insta account and her shop where she does like all natural like fibers and uh, she's based in Wisconsin which I didn't realize at first um, my state so that was like crazy um, so yeah she's just, and she's anti-capitalist so she really tries to honor like all the labor um, and the sources that she uses that goes into her products yeah so I'm definitely gonna be exploring her shop a lot <laughs> Well, I think we're finally at the end, and folks, this is probably the longest episode we'll have yet. I haven't even edited it, but, like, oh. listen, like, while we record, I'm always, like, keeping track. I'm like, well, I'm probably going to cut out that part where I farted in the middle. That'll cut down on some time. Yeah. Like, but, listen, I've been listening yeah. back, and this is just an episode full of bangers. We saved the best for the last. Oh, so. Yeah, y'all. Thanks for sticking with us for twelve episodes a whole year. Yeah, even now. if you just like oh back gosh. catalog us and it's the year twenty thirty, and you're like, and I don't know, you're dead, and you're listening to us in memoriam. That's still thanks for sticking with yeah. us in your afterlife. In the afterlife. In your afterlife. In yours. Yeah. <laughs> um, Man, I'm on. But before this we is go, um, we. I want us to talk about our email and Twitter. It still exists. Email is reading not reading at gmail.com r-e-a-d-i-n-g n-o-t r-e-a-d-i-n-g at gmail.com and our twitter is red not read pod because they won't let us do the full thing and that is r-e-a-d-n-o-t r-e-a-d p-o-d awesome uh and then we have a bookshop Hey, it's Christmas season, and by the time you listen to this, it'll be Christmas Eve, which maybe that's a little too late to get your holiday gifts, but I don't maybe. think like, New Year's is around the corner. So, uh, if for all your book shopping needs, visit us at our bookshop, which you can find, because now we have a website, people. We have a website where you can find all of our ep- episodes listed. So, if you're tired of, like, I guess, searching for us on Spotify, um, you can go to our website, which is Reading hyphen rainbow dot pinecast dot co um that'll also be in the episode description hopefully convenient way to find everything related to us our episodes the uh, our bookshop link all that good stuff head over there and laura what are you looking forward to for the next season 
of our journey together. Oh, man. Uh, more guests. I know. And... <laughs> more guests. That's, I, that's what I'm hoping, too. <laughs> People have asked me. Listen, we actually have one very demanding fan. You know who you are. And then a few oh. other ones who mm. are, you know, like, naturally just, you know, like, Less oh. demanding. And I also, <laughs> yeah, the our demanding fan we know won't mind because they don't even listen to our freaking podcast. They're just demanding. They just want to be they on wanna, it. <laughs> you know, they just want that sweet, sweet fame that we're getting, you know? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, yeah, making more, making my way downtown. Walking, walking fast. Faces past. <laughs> and I'm, I'm homebound. Yes! <laughs> yeah, maybe more singing. Maybe that's the, that's the move. Um, I am looking forward to the next season and the next episode where we read A Mango-Shaped Space by Wendy Mack. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to all the books we're going to read and all the ones we're going to read in between and the ones we're going to find as a result of this. It's going to be great. So have a amazingest end of year 2020. We thought it would never end. Yeah. And maybe it won't. I don't know. We're yeah. not even there yet. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next year. Ha ha. Ha ha. See you next year. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>